0: I had $800 in my bank account at the time, and I spent 400 of it on wood for the next two projects that we had. And I feel like there's a certain sense, you just have to believe in yourself to a certain extent if you want to do something like this and go out on your own.
1: Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Casey and Brandon Smith, Co-owners of the furniture company, Path Design. Casey and Brandon started their company because they wanted to have an outlet for their creativity, an idea that I'm sure a lot of people also have, but they put in the work and the time and learned to work smarter and faster and understood that the business side of any creative endeavor needs attention paid to it as well, if you want it to grow and grow it has from what started as just a creative outlet to now a successful business that supports them both. So follow along as we talk about what fast growth looks like, understanding how to work efficiently, dealing with relationships and business, and much more. So let's start the episode and hear about Casey and Brandon's story in their own words.
0: For me, my interest in building really came when I was like eight years old. Um, My parents bought my grandma's house. She lived around the corner. And as she was getting older, we wanted to move in with her so that we could live with her and sort of take care of her. And so they renovated the entire house. They took it down to one wall and kind of rebuilt the whole thing. And I just remember coming home from school, like doing whatever they would let me do. You know, and I was cutting tile and I was painting and I just loved being in that environment. And then once I got to college and I was trying to think of, you know, what am I going to major in, I decided that I kind of wanted to do something with my hands, something in the design world. And so I started as an interior design major. I dropped out of college after one semester because I had a little bit of work waiting for me outside. This is really something where real world experience is the most valuable thing, in my opinion, you know. And so I told everyone, I told my mom and my advisors, oh, I'm taking a semester off. But, you know, I dropped out and that, that was it. And so, yeah, I started building tables in my parents' basement. I love to draw and to paint. So I was incorporating some of my artwork onto tables that I built. Um,
2: And that's where I came in.
0: Yeah, that's where Brandon came in.
2: So I was a media major at NJCU. It's a local college in Jersey City. You know, I was looking for a capstone project to do for, you know, my final year. I was in my senior year and I found her Instagram page. And, uh, you know, I, I, slid in the DMS and <laughs> I, uh, you know, I reached out and I was like, let's, let's do a documentary. And we met and, um, we met for, I think we were there for three hours and, mm-hmm. uh, that was our first time meeting and.
0: And it's funny because we we went to the same uh, high school. We literally grew up blocks away from each other, and we went to the same high school here in Bayonne. But it's a big public high school, so there's almost three thousand kids, and we just had different groups and never talked. We kind of knew who each other was. We had an idea, but we never spoke. Um, And so I remember when he messaged me, and I was like, "What, like?" what's going on? Why do you want want to do a documentary on me? And here I am like, yes, I have the path design company business name and all, but I'm really just in my parents' basement trying to figure things out. So,
2: so me and my team showed up to uh, her, her parents' basement with nice big lights and mics and cameras. And it was a whole setup and it was just a great experience. And, um, ever since then, you know, we've pretty much been inseparable and, now we're married and
0: <laughs> yeah, building furniture. We, and, after yeah. we met, we moved in about four months after we met. And we both are such just creative people and we always want to be doing things and making things. And, you know, so we started to think like we need a creative space, just a space where we can all of these ideas that we have, you know, we can make something happen here and we're not limited by our neighbors and noise or, you know, the time of day or anything like that. And so the first day that we started looking for like a commercial space, we found one literally five minutes like from home in a more industrial part of Bayonne. And we went to go see it. The next day, we set up a meeting with the property manager and we signed the lease because we knew that these spaces are hard to come by, you know, especially in this area. And it was just a big empty box. And we were so excited because it felt like so much freedom. You know what I mean? Like this was ours. This was the first time we were signing a lease for something. And we had complete control over what we could do.
1: Now, you have the idea to be creative and you both want to work together, to be creative together. And I get that. But creativity on its own isn't a business. It's not going to be able to supply you with money, which unfortunately or fortunately is what we all have to use to live on, whether we're creative or not.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: you get the space. You decide you want to work together. What were the next steps that you both took to say, we want to be creative, but... We also want to start this business that's going to be able to support both of us. Yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, it was probably a good six months
2: before we could really support ourselves doing this. Um, When we first got the studio, uh, I was like I said, I was a media major. So my main profession was taking video on site and like doing events and stuff. And I also always had the dream of opening a recording studio. I've, I've always been really into music and recording music and stuff, making music with my friends. And so when we first got the studio, it was split down the middle, like right in half. And we, we put up a pallet wall. Like we just bought a bunch of pallets off Facebook Marketplace and just <laughs> split the space in two. And it really was just a dream. Like we were just being creative kids. And, and luckily we had enough of a buffer to kind of facilitate the space for a little while. And, you know, it was two months in, I think, and we got our first order. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even really like totally into it. Like my side was the the music side and the, mm-hmm. the, the video side and kind of just making content for, you know, for Path and for me. And like, it was, we were just, you know, having fun basically. And, uh, you know, a couple months in she got her first order. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I ended up helping out and she taught me so much. And then we got two orders the next month and then three and mm-hmm. then four. And then, like I said, like about six months in, we were working fully in, yeah. in the the shop side. And I think it was maybe a couple months after that, we revamped the space so that it was a little bit more geared towards path design. And um, I mean, it's only gotten better since we've been uh, supporting ourselves for Four years now doing this stuff so
1: the growth that you both had from an idea to a real business a a business that Mm -hmm. is having money come in the door is pretty fast so that's definitely something that i want to talk more about because everybody wants that growth that you've had so how did you start growing like that what were you doing to lay that groundwork to be able to grow so fast
0: so luckily, I had, I had built a few tables before we got in this space, like in my parents' basement and, you know, taking photos of them. So any work that I had, um, I put out online. You know, I had it on Instagram. I had it on Facebook Marketplace. That was a huge place that we started selling. And it was really just a matter of consistently putting things out there, you know, answering every single is this still available message, even if it le- leads nowhere on Facebook Marketplace, you know, uh, because, you know, one in every 20 was actually going to go through and get you a sale. And I think so much of it for us in the beginning, we were keeping our cost as low as possible, you know, because in, in a way, as long as what that price was, as long as that covered the cost of materials, it was sort of an investment, you know, because now this is another thing that we can add to our resume and that we could put out there and say, Hey, look what we did. If you like this, we can build you one. And then, you know, up the prices a little bit each time until we're comfortable. So I think a lot of those early projects we sort of looked at as investments in the future. and well, on, well, on, the first
2: <laughs> one was a uh, five foot table and two benches for $500.
0: Yep, free delivery. Which
2: probably just broke even at that time. It was mm-hmm. it was still 2019, but um, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was still very cheap. We didn't make much on it, but you know, it was definitely the experience. And before mm-hmm. that, I was I've never really built a table before, so it was totally a learning experience. Take mm-hmm. I took a lot from it.
0: Yeah. And um. I think a lot in those early days too. Um, which is something that's still really important to us as a business is the personal aspect of things you know where if we're talking about something that you want to order you know like let's hop on a phone call and let me figure out exactly what it is you're looking for you know I think making the customer experience as easy and smooth as you possibly can is really beneficial you know because especially in today's day and age when people are buying furniture online and you know you can't get a hold of a real person even for customer service you know to be able to talk directly with someone who's passionate about what they're gonna do for you and sort of have everything just like checked off, I feel like is is really nice. And I think that's, something that's what that we, we want. Right, exactly. I, that's what
2: I want all the time. Anytime I go to a store, I want to talk to competent people that know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what we try to give to people.
1: You brought up the pricing for your first table and I want to get into your pricing in general, but before I do that, I, I kind of want to set the table for where your business is year over year, the growth of your income. And this isn't a trade secret. You've been open to how much money you have coming in on your social media, and you've talked through this in the past. Mm -hmm. But for people who haven't watched those videos, can you talk us through your year over year growth so everybody moving forward can understand exactly where you're coming from with mm-hmm. your income and your pricing, and where your business is at,
0: yeah, absolutely. So um I would say, you know the first year, it wasn't a full year that we were in business. We got our first order somewhere in the summertime. Um, and so the, you know the first year we grossed probably right around what would you say? twenty Well, no, the first like few months. I would say probably like forty, oh. probably forty thousand was like the first. Year. And then the year after that, like our first full year in business, we were up to uh, 109. And then the year after that, we were up to 120. Our highest that we ever grossed was 120. The year following that, we ended up having to leave the studio. And so we kind of cut our projects in half so that we can focus on different things and just kind of like shift our our business plan a bit. Um, And so that same, it reflected, you know, we went from about 120 to 60. But yeah, those, those two years, right around 2020 and 2021, at the height of the pandemic, we just kind of tucked ourselves away in the studio, and we were learning constantly. We were building constantly,
2: and that's that's when we really focused on, um, you know, efficiency and like trying to make everything that we do faster. Um, mm-hmm. I, we were kind of forced to just because of the volume that we were working at, mm-hmm. and um, it worked. I mean, even just going from painting chairs by hand to yeah. getting a paint sprayer, it's like a, a revelation. You know, like it's mm-hmm. like, oh my god.
0: Yeah. And investing in better tools, you know, like I feel like that was a huge part of it, especially earlier on. We started off because getting the studio in the first place and, you know, kind of committing to now having to pay rent every month. It was like we have to make something work. You know, it no longer was just an idea. Every day you were kind of like, okay, we got to get an order or we have to do something. So it was really a driving force for us, I think, to put ourselves in that position.
1: Okay, so you have the space, you're paying rent, you're upgrading your tools, and that's money going out the door. But you need to be spending that money to have the projects coming in so money can come in the door. And there's always that balance of your overhead costs, the money that you're spending day to day to produce the furniture, versus the amount of money that you're making from the furniture. And you need to make sure that those... Those numbers work together or you're going to go out of business. Yeah. (laughs) And that goes back to the idea of pricing and how your pricing has changed from the beginning when you were just trying to build pieces to get your portfolio in a good place to now when this is a business and this is how you're making a living. So how has your pricing changed from those first couple pieces to how your pricing pieces moving forward today.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think early on in those early days, and, and even getting back to what I was just saying with, um, buying a tool. You know, when we started off, we had a, a miter box, we had a sander and a drill, we had just very basic things. And, you know, sometimes we would take on a new project where we were covering our materials, and then enough to buy a new tool that we needed for that project that we didn't have before. You know, so those early days, I mean, we would cover our cost of materials, plus maybe an extra 100 or $2, you know, just to kind of make something off of it. But like I said, you know, those were really investments, because a lot of our work in the early days spread through word of mouth, even where we would get a call from someone's friend who, Oh, they, you know, you just built a table for them and I love it. I'd like one just like it.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, th- this goes without saying that like we, we put in 12 hour days, mm-hmm. 15 hour days, and it was pretty much every single day. We, we skipped uh, birthdays and holidays for <laughs> a solid year. Mm-hmm. And I mean like we put a lot of work in and a lot of time into this and, I mean, it was everything from building the website to documenting all of our builds, mm-hmm. and um, you know, just doing our best on the social media front. And like she said, like we we were answering, "Is this still available?" messages on Facebook every single day, like mm-hmm. many many messages a day, and you know, a lot of them didn't go anywhere, but the ones that did really helped us build our business. And and another thing about tools is that we would we would kind of dedicate certain projects that were new to us, like, uh, mm. I remember when we did our first round table, um, we got a router, and, like, that was a, a huge thing, because I wanted a router for, for a while, you know, mm-hmm. since we first started, and I was like, what a cool tool, and, um, you know, we dedicated that project to just getting the router, and it was it was such a valuable experience to <clears throat> to get a new tool and to learn how to use it on a project and have it paid for, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and you know, there was there was a time early early days in the studio when we first, you know got our first order or two, and I have it, I have the screenshot because I feel like I knew I knew that one day that this was going to mean something. I had eight hundred dollars in my bank account at the time, and I spent four hundred of it on wood for the next two projects that we had. And I feel like there's a certain sense, you just have to believe in yourself to a certain extent if you want to do something like this and go out on your own. Because if you don't take a risk, you know, often there's no reward. And I think we were so dedicated and so driven that we were like, "There's not. we're not going to not let this work. You know, we're going to do everything that we can to make it work. And I feel like those kinds of things are, are testaments to how much we believed in ourselves then, yeah. you know, so- and- There's just a lot of kind of positivity and and making it happen, you know, believing that it will and and doing everything that you can to to actually make it happen.
1: I hear the passion and I love the passion coming from you both. and I understand (laughs) that it's a major part of how you run your business and how in the beginning you got it off the ground and how today you keep pushing forward. But if we can go back a little bit and maybe take the passion out of it, even though I know that's hard to do, but get more into the math side and the number side of your pricing. How do you do it? Do you have a spreadsheet? Do you just know what you want something to cost based on previous projects or based on knowing the client? Yes, working hard is important. Yes, working 12 hours a day is important, but you also need to know your pricing and understand how to price things correctly to mm, grow sure. as fast as you have.
0: Yeah. So I think early on, uh, you know, our first few orders, we were just trying to keep the cost as low as possible and also just simple and straightforward to people. So we would do a five foot table for $500, a six foot table, 600, so, you know, and we knew that that was enough to cover our cost of materials and, you know, delivery and things like that. Um, well, if- also not <clears throat> to mention that
2: all of our tables in the beginning were dug fur, mm-hmm. and this is pre pandemic. So I think, yep. You know, we were definitely, I mean, even $500 was, we would make enough on.
0: Yeah, a couple hundred bucks and that was enough. Um,
2: Now, not so much, but.
0: Yeah. And so (laughs) we would just kind of check the price per board foot. I would map out what we would do all by hand at the time, just like our plans and figure out how much the materials would cost. And like I said, as long as we were making a couple hundred dollars, then we were comfortable with that price. Um, But we liked to do something just straightforward and appealing to a customer at the time and also something that we felt fair for our skill level at that time. You know, we were very new woodworkers. We were new to the game, um, and so we felt like charging what we were charging at the time was appropriate. You know, it wasn't the highest end furniture you've ever made, but if someone wants a nice $500 farmhouse table, that's what we could do at the time. We would throw on, you know, benches or chairs for 50 bucks or a hundred bucks if people wanted to, to try to do a set again, just to kind of expand our uh, resume, our, our body of work. And there came a time when we had five orders in one month and that was the most the most work that we had ever had in a single month. So that sort of led us on this path of doing volume. And for a time, especially during, you know, the pandemic 2020 2020 in that area, um, we were doing a lot of projects at that same price point. And so we were making enough, but it was getting to the point where like Brandon said, you know, we were working 12 15 hour days every single day. And it eventually got to the point where there was sort of a shift in our mentality as our, our skill level was increasing also, you know, we started to realize that because we were asking ourselves, how can we grow this business, right? And our first thought was, you know, a team or to do more of the same thing, you know what I mean, in a shorter amount of time. But then we realized that we're trying to mass produce custom furniture with just a team of two. And I think what's so important to us is the personal aspect of things and, and our level of, of dedication and attention to detail that the shift then became, you know, we can do fewer projects at a higher price point that are more specialized that we're passionate about. And you know ever since then that's sort of been the direction that we've been heading in. You know, so now our projects range on average between I would say three and six thousand dollars depending on you know what it is. and it is client by client based on exactly what they're looking for, you know, material type and and turnaround, all of these things.
1: You've made a big point to say that you want your Pricing to be accessible, you respect your client and you want people to be able to purchase your furniture, but you also respect your skill level and understand as your skill level grows, your pricing increases. So along those lines, you offer a payment plan on your website when people want to buy your furniture. And that's not new for furniture companies that offer production pieces where you just buy it off the rack, but for custom pieces, that's a little something different. Can you talk about how you came to that idea to offer payment plans and and how it's been affecting your customers and how they're buying from you?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, that was something that we sort of put into place, I would say, around the time that we switched to hardwood. Uh, you know, going from Doug Fir to hardwood, there's a big price jump there in terms of your material cost. And so, we would have people. Talking to us that really wanted something, but they would say, Oh, you know, that's just too much for me at the time. You know, and that's completely understandable. A lot of the people that we work with, they just built a house or just moved into a house. And so they have a lot of these costs that are just racking up. And so it's understandable for us for people to not be able to drop $5,000 on a dining room table right now. And we just didn't want that to deter people, you know. And so we were trying to think about, I think it was Brandon's idea, we were trying to think about what we could do to kind of help these people, because at the end of the day, we love what we do. And we we know that we provide a good quality product, you know, and, and we want to give that to as many people as possible. And so if the only thing that's limiting them is not being able to pay the entire lump sum, you know, or, or half now and half later, then if there's something we could do about it, why not? And that's been a really beneficial thing for us. You know, we've gotten quite a few orders through our website with the payment plans, where once we introduce that to someone, and we're like, hey, you know, you can... Do this now and we'll have it for you in six to eight weeks, but you don't have to finish paying it for 18 months if you don't want to. You know, it's been really great and it's resulted in us doing a lot of projects that I'm sure we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise Mm -hmm. because the cost would have just been too much for that particular customer. Yeah,
1: totally. Your relationship and your business grew at the exact same time. It's it's probably pretty much interchangeable dates between your relationship and your business. So yeah. with that in mind, thinking back on how your company and your relationship grew together and worked together from the beginning to now, what are your thoughts on working relationships and personal relationships being mixed together.
0: Well, I definitely think, I understand, I guess, when people say that it can be, you know, difficult, but Brandon and I have been really lucky in the fact that, you know, four months after we met, we moved in together. A couple months after that, we took our first cross country road trip. And so we were cooped up for a month in Brandon's (laughs) Nissan Sentra, very close quarters. (laughs) Um, And It's definitely been difficult at times, but I think when you live and work together so closely, as long as you are a team and you sort of have that common goal of figuring things out at the end of the day, then nothing can really stop you. You know, we encounter a lot of challenges when it comes to the business, you know, things that we're doing for the first time that we have to. Figure out, you know, okay, how do we handle this? What's the best course of action here? And, you know, we do that a lot in our personal lives also, you know, with personal challenges and figuring out how to overcome those and how to communicate better together. Mm -hmm. So for us, I think it's been a great experience. You know, we've been very tight knit since we met. And working together so closely has only made our communication better because we love to figure things out together. Also, you know, we love to just bounce ideas off of each other and think, all right, well, how can we do that? You know, like we, we can figure that out. So it's it's more fun than anything else, I would say, for us. And to have someone that you trust so closely that you can work with. Yeah. You know, that's a, another huge aspect I know, of it. You know? I know,
2: it's corny, but that's my best friend. So, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of just get to hang out all the time and.
0: Yeah. Make you know, money together make money and together. build a business and. Yep. I, I had this idea of path, you know, before we met when I was thinking of dropping out of college. And it wasn't until I met Brandon and he really started to kind of look at it and talk about it as if it was an established business, you know, just as any business was. And that gave me such a cool perspective, thinking like this really could be something. And and he took the lead with the website and social media and really made it real, you know. So I feel like that the media side of everything was a really great sort of unexpected compliment to the woodworking. And yeah, totally.
1: yeah. well, you did make it real. It's yeah, <laughs> it's real. Your relationship has grown and your business has grown and they're both very real things. So looking back on your company and and also looking forward to where you want to take this for people who are looking to start their own business or for people who have been doing this for a while but want to do it better. What's some advice that you both have learned in this process that you feel like you could share with people listening to, hopefully help them run their businesses better?
2: Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, patience and customer service. Um, you know, you have to be patient with people, and you have to accept that not everybody's going to answer you the way that you want them to answer you, and um, you know, just realizing that everybody, you know, when they when somebody reaches out to us, they they want something and, you know, you have to respect that. And, um, you know, also another part is, is building is, um, it's sort of a, a sacred experience. (laughs) You know, um, when you get the opportunity to build something, it's, it's important to spend as much time thinking about it as you build it and making sure that all of the time that you put into it is, um, thoughtful and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, executed, the best way that it could possibly be executed
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i i would say if you want your business to be better you know if you want to do more i think it's really about trial and error you know and figuring out what workflow is best for you and what it is you're most passionate about you know we've been at this for 4 years but within those 4 years we've had a lot of different sort of little business models you know and different time periods in our business where we've done things differently and you know we love building furniture but building 10 tables a month that were all pretty similar it just it wasn't what we were passionate about and we we only figured that out by getting to the point where we were building 10 tables a month you know and so for us i think it's a lot of um, a lot of trial and error and a lot of refining the process and finding what it is that we love, you know, and
2: figure out what you want to do mm-hmm. with your day, yeah. you know, the, the time that you spend on it. Like if, if we could spend, you know, three hours a day on something and, you know, make sure that it's the best that, that it could possibly be rather than spending 12 hours on 10 projects. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think that's, that's the balance that we found is right. that, you know, Spend a little less time, but m- maybe just focus on one aspect of a build,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, you know, if you're lucky enough to have uh, time. And if like that's that. what
0: you want, you know, maybe. And, and I'm sure, you want, yeah. like you said, how, how there's no one answer. There's no one right answer, you know, for how to run your business or anything like that, you know. And I completely agree because I'm sure there are people out there who love making, you know, 10 charcuterie boards a day and sending them out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think it's it's just figuring out your workflow and really truly being passionate about it because, you know, we wake up and go to sleep thinking about what can we do to like make this better. And if you don't feel like that, you know, it's going to be really hard for you to put in the amount of time and energy to actually make your business better and sort of get to that next step.
1: Passion and and being passionate about something can be a throwaway, right? Can be a throwaway word yeah. or just an adjective that people use. But <laughs> it's true. It's it's true. When you mm-hmm. think about it, you do need that passion, and you need to actually want to be doing what you're doing. If that's your business and you don't love it, then there's a lot easier ways to make money than having a furniture company. So, right on that note. <laughs> I wanna thank you for having your furniture company and thank you for sharing your knowledge and your story with us of of your journey so far. And I appreciate it. And I know everybody else listening appreciates it as well. So thank you very much and wishing you nothing but success moving forward in your business. Thank Thank you you so
0: much and thank you for having us. It was great to talk to you about all this and kind of relive some of these experiences.
1: Yep. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you got value out of it, please think about leaving a review and subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about the series, please visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime with questions or guest suggestions to hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can find me at the with Ethan on Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the show. And can't wait to bring you the next one.